Welcome to the Stoke It Up podcast, everybody. A podcast encouraging you in your journey with God. I'm Alan Stoddard, and I am your host, and we have a great start to season three with Dr. Matt Queen, the chair of fire evangelism professor at Southwestern Seminary. Now, Matt's got all the education, everybody. He has a BA in religion from Mars Hill. He has an MDiv and PhD from Southeastern Seminary. But what I like best about him is that he still does personal evangelism in his own life and in a local church. So he's not just a professor, he's also a pastor and a Christian who believes in reaching other people for Jesus Christ. Well, he's got a new book out. We're gonna tell you about that and give you a link to go buy it, read it, give it away, share it with anybody you can. But I want us to have a conversation on what it looks like to get a vision for evangelism in your life and in a local church and do what Matt does. I want him to share all of that. You're not going to regret tuning in today. Again, welcome. Let's jump into the conversation with Dr. Matt Queen. It's great to be back here. Uh, Alan, we love you. We're, we're so grateful that you're an alum of Southwestern Seminary and you really embody the spirit of Southwestern in your love for disciple making through evangelism and through further uh, processes. So it's just an honor to be with you today. Well, amen. Thank you, brother. You said it right. Because when you go to Southwestern, if there's anything you get, you're going to get preaching and evangelism. And you're going to get more than that. That's right. But every time I go up there, I uh, I just, uh, I'm nostalgic. I'm a lover of stories, so I just can't get away from it. But let's talk about why we're here. Matt Queen has written a textbook called Recapturing Evangelism, A Biblical Theological Approach. Now, that sounds very academic. But I want to tell you, I, I, I want to ask you, why should people read this book? Well, so it does sound academic in some ways, but I want you to know it, it, it is written for the academic, but it's also written for the layperson. And, um, you know, you can check out the reviews on Amazon where people are coming through and they, they're, they're talking about it, the readability of it. Um, I, I think I, I, what I've tried to do with this, Alan, was, uh, many times, um, people that are in the academic ranks, when they think of an evangelism book, they always kind of lower expectations. That they, they say, "Okay, this person is not as serious in the in the biblical studies sometimes, or maybe they're not as serious on the theological because they, you know, uh, they're doing more practical uh, um, a practical nature of, of of ministry." And so, what I wanted to do is, I wanted to to really speak to the fact that you can actually do evangelism and recapture the kind of evangelism that is historical in the, the history of the church and do so that's practical, yes, intentional, but also is biblical and theological. And it's driven by what the Bible practice is, what the Bible instructions are for evangelism, but it also has a robust theological base. Matt, do you, why is that important for the average Christian? The biblical okay. theological approach. That sounds all lofty, but I know the answer of what I would give, but I want to hear what you say. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist and, you know, we have a, we have a saying, you know, where you have two Baptists in the midst, you've got five opinions, you know? <laughs> and uh, so there are a lot of opinions out there about evangelism, whether the Baptist or not, there's a lot of opinions about evangelism. Some people think that you ought to 
earn a right to do evangelism. Some people think that you ought to take a long time to do evangelism before you, uh, you, you know, you can actually bring up the gospel. Some people say that disciple making takes place over a long period of time. Some people say you ought to only do door to door. Some people say you ought to not do door to door. There's a lot of opinions out there about evangelism. And so what I, what I, we're all going to have opinions. Uh, going to the Bible doesn't mean you still lose your opinion, but at least it means that you can be informed in your opinion about what took place in the scriptures uh, and, and in terms of relationship issues, timing issues and evangelism, things like that. And also what I would say is evangelism by its very nature is not just practical, it is theological. Because when you are conveying the good news of Jesus Christ, whether or not you formally recognize it or not, you are uh, proclaiming theology. You're proclaiming issues about the atonement. You're, you're proclaiming issues about um, the doctrine of sin. You're, issue, you're giving issues about the, the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in uh, you know, making someone new. So it, by its very nature, it's theological, though we don't think of it that way. So I'm just trying to just state what things really are. And just kind of take a gamble on the fact that people realize, though it may sound academic, it's really not as much academic, although there is an academic nature to this book. It's not as academic as it is just honest about what we do in evangelism. I like it. I think uh, Christians ought to read theological things anyway. And uh, I was thinking about how we as ordinary Christians, we live our lives out of local churches so your book, I've already started reading it online because uh, before we got on, I was telling you a friend of mine has the signed copy that I got, uh, that she got for me at the book signing. And I was reading it and I thought, we live our lives out of the Bible. We live our lives out of doctrine and theology. And those can just be words that maybe we've made them too big, uh, that it's just really uh, doctrine and shoe leather kind mm -hmm. of terminology. Uh, I love the first uh, chapter where you started giving the, the misconceptions. You've already, you mentioned one of those. What are a couple of other misconceptions to give people just a taste here on the podcast of what the book's all about? Yeah, so one of, one of the uh, biggest misconceptions about evangelism that I think really has been used to prevent people from doing evangelism is that there's a, uh, some people think that there's a gift of evangelism. And just, you know, there's more information about this, but just in a nutshell, let me tell you, just a real brief reason why evangelism is not a spiritual gift. And by the way, I'm not the first one to say it. Even Roy Fish, uh, you know, said it before me. But evangelism is not in any of the spiritual gift inventories. Now, someone may say, well, those are not exhaustive. Okay, I grant you that. But when you think about spiritual giftedness and you look at it, especially in 1 Corinthians 12 and, for, and Ephesians chapter 4, spiritual gifts are primarily given for the benefit of the body. I mean, or for the church, for the saints, whatever you want to say. That's what their primary beneficiary uh, group is. But evangelism, though it may affect the body, may it may positively affect the body, it may help the saints. Evangelism is primary, primarily directed to the unchurched, not the church. And so it doesn't meet that Pauline expectation of what evangelism is. So uh, what a spiritual gift is, excuse me. So evangelism is not a gift. It's not a spiritual fruit. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It is a spiritual discipline. You know, Alan, if you came up to me and you said, hey, bro, Matt, if you would just read Psalm 23 to me, that would really just bless me. I've been going through some rough times. That would just bring some peace to me. And I said, Alan, 
I'd love to do that for you, but I don't have the gift of reading the Bible. You'd laugh at me, right? I mean, uh, because there is no <laughs> gift of reading the Bible. The Bible says, study, show yourself. Approved. If you came and you said, well, would you, okay, you can't read the Bible. What would you pray for me? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't pray for you because I don't have the spiritual gift of prayer. No, pray without ceasing. It is a command, just like go and make disciples, you know, and we do this through evangelism. It is a spiritual discipline. So that's one of the uh, one of the misconceptions uh, that that are uh, that's in the book in evangelism. Uh, just one other than one that that I will mention at this time is is that some people think that okay, well, it, you know, um, when it comes to evangelism and and thinking about understanding evangelism and what it is and what it's not. Um, is evangelism that thing that uh, promotes inclusivism? Like, you know, inclusivism says that uh, everybody that's saved will be saved through Jesus, although they don't know him personally. So, you know, as long as they're being a good Muslim or they're being a good Hindu or they're being a good whatever, uh, they'll be saved through Jesus, but they don't have to know him personally. And of course, we're not trying to promote that. Roy Fish, you know, was big in saying that Southern Baptists, for example, our, our tribe, uh, Southern Baptists, they may be theologically exclusivist that Jesus is the only way for salvation, but in the way that we practice evangelism, we're inclusivists or we're pluralists in some way. So those are just some of the misconceptions that we talk about in the book. Well, that's that is dynamite. One of the uh, things I've just that stuck with me. It's been since 1997 and 2002 that I graduated from Southwestern, and evangelism has stuck with me the whole time. I mean, the, I, it was back in the day where you took two classes. One was church growth evangelism. The other mm -hmm. one was personal evangelism. And of course I took Dr. Fish uh, and McDowell. And what I'm asking is what impact do you think those classes have on a student? I mean, is it, was it formational in your life, the classes you took? And what I'm really getting at is this is why I think Christians need to read your book because they're not going to go to the class. Yeah, I, 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 I would say this. Um, I get testimonies. I, I just got an email this past week from a uh, from a chaplain in our military service. And here was what uh, here's what she said. She said, Dr. Queen, I'm currently in the class. And let me tell you what the class is doing. I didn't ask for this. This was totally unsolicited. She said, number one, um, I turn on uh, the computer because she's a distance learning student. I turn on the computer and my son and my husband, they hear the class. My son is not walking with the Lord right now. And after he's been hearing things in the class, he has now started going to church on Wednesday nights. And now he's more open to hearing the gospel because he's been exposed to these things. And she said, Though it is the nature of my job that I have to, you know, I, I've got some rails that I have to kind of uh, operate through. Uh, but she said, I have been so much more intentional about evangelism because you've, 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 you've brought evangelism and attention to evangelism to the forefront of my, of my mind. And so I've actually done it now in times where if I hadn't taken this class, I wouldn't have done it. So again, we all need to be reminded. We all need encouragement in evangelism, even evangelism professors need to be encouraged. And so that class for me personally is if I'm telling students that they need to evangelize, I better also be evangelizing myself. Right. Amen. Uh, I think of uh, the Christian life without the great commission, if I could 
just use a different term for evangelism for a minute, being a part of a great commission lifestyle. And it's boring without it. I'm not even sure. I'm sure I would enjoy the Christian life, but because uh, if I don't say it, that, it means I'm kind of insinuating, well, Jesus isn't enough. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying, though, in, in our day and time, to reach the world is the fun stuff. It's the hard stuff, but it's the reason why we do everything else in the church. Uh, I used to say, uh, if you take preaching, um, then it's like evangelism. All of your other classes are going to go through the conduit of ev evangelism. That's right. That's um, right. So, I, so I was just going yeah. to say, too, I'm sorry. I was just going to no, say. No, do it. Uh, L.R. Scarborough, our second president and the first chair of fire, you mentioned I was a chair of fire. Um, he made a big deal about when, when, when Southwestern, for example, was teaching uh, a Hebrew or Greek or church history or systematic theology, that we don't learn these things. He, he called them as putting them like uh, eggs in the refrigerator, you know, and put them on cold storage. Actually, the way that we make sure that we we take those things and we we, we make them active instead of just being things, the facts that are in our mind is that we do this through evangelism. So whenever somebody says, I don't trust the Bible, you can use your Hebrew and Greek or your new and your old Testament. If somebody says, you know, uh, you know, uh, history, history just has the winners. You're able to go to your church history class. And so I, I really do agree with you, Alan, that evangelism is that, is that uh, function that allows us to take what we learn in a seminary education and actually put feet to it. So, so when we get your book out and we're going to promote the book uh, big time, I, I, I want to get it out there. How would you say a pastor should use your book in a local church? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So um, one, of the, one of the cool features about this book uh, is that at the end of every chapter, uh, there are a series of questions. And so, you know, a pastor can do whatever a pastor wants to do. A pastor can take the content on like a Wednesday night or if you have a uh, more of a, a discipleship group or something else like that, and actually take some of the tenets and package together the way the pastor wants to package together, use different scriptures if you want to or whatever, and put those together, and you can actually teach it. Uh, another thing that you can do is, is actually, um, if you have a more open-ended type of disciple-making uh, structure or class, using some of those uh, questions at the end of each chapter to see where your people are and then the kind of, if you've got the book on the shelf as a resource, see what you're hearing, and then that'll help you be able to train your people to be more in line with what, not what Matt Queen says, but more in line with what the Bible uh, prescribes related to evangelism. What would, I love it. What would you say, to, to take that further, what are you seeing out there, and what would you say about evangelism equipping in churches these days? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, you know, a moment ago, uh, maybe to answer this, I'll pick it up on a, an answer I gave a moment ago. There is not a gift of evangelism, but there is a spiritual gift of the evangelist. And the spiritual gift of the evangelist, many times we think about the evangelist as Billy Graham or Louis Palau or D.L. Moody. And for right, for right reasons, right? I mean, they were evangelists. But what people don't understand is the evangelist that they were was not just preaching to people in stadiums and thousands of people and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, that was a part of what they did. 
But before they would go into a crusade, they would actually begin to equip the churches in evangelism before the event to get the people to come there. And so the evangelists, you know, in Ephesians 4, Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the ministry. So an evangelist is someone who I believe in the New Testament is a church planter. He, he helps with church planting and getting things started and getting people equipped and mobilized to do evangelism. Uh, but he also is somebody who is uh, equipping and mobilizing the, the laity for evangelism and equipping the saints to do the work of evangelism, not doing it for the church, but doing it with the church and equipping the church to do that. And so what I've tried to do in this book and what I've tried to do in other books I've written is really to try to help equip churches to identify who is that spiritually gifted or really the, the word in the Bible is a grace gifted evangelist that it can come alongside a pastor. Sometimes it is the pastor, but it's not always the pastor, but come alongside the pastor and help him equip, mobilize and encourage an evangelism uh, beyond just doing evangelism or supporting evangelism uh, doing that. And so we're seeing some strides in that way, but I still think that we could go a long way. And I think the fact that we're not seeing as much evangelism today shows us that we do have a need for equipping in local churches. How would you, how often would you say equipping should go down in a local church these days? What are you seeing? What's your just feel for the rhythm of it? Yeah. Well, I, I would say probably most churches, if they have any evangelism equipping, they may do it once a year, at least in my context and at least what I'm seeing. Um, so one time a year is better than none, none ever, right? Uh, but what I would say is this, if a pat, I don't think that you necessarily have to train for evangelism every week in a very formal way, but you do need to, you do need to uh, talk about evangelism in a way that you're contributing to that culture of evangelism. I can tell you a little bit about what we're doing in our church, uh, at, at, you know, a little later on, if you'd like to know that. But when you have evangelism equipping, if it's a training, one day training session, or it's a kind of a class that you're doing or whatever it might be, when a pastor is ensuring that his people are trained in evangelism, whether he does it or he's utilizing a grace gift or spiritually gifted evangelist, do you know what that subconsciously says to the people? Evangelism is important. Uh, if, they, if, if they're getting trained in it, they know that that means a lot to the pastor. So what I would say is, does it have to be every week? Maybe not a class every week. I mean, it's okay if that is the case. But I think it needs to be done in, in, in at least enough so that the people realize this is important to the church. This is important to the pastor. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to a church in Granbury, Granbury Baptist Church, and they do two missions months a year. That's great. And I, I have been fascinated by it. Um, just I, I, I've never gotten that that right, the way that they do it. And it's an unusual blend. I will say it, it is. It's one of those churches where it's you go and you go, this is different. Um, and the rest of us can learn from that. That's why I ask you that question. Now, what do you do at Lane? Give us that. And then I want to ask you about your quote from Stuart. Yeah, absolutely. But what, so, do you, what do you guys do at Lane while that's on your mind? Yeah. So uh, I'm the associate pastor of evangelism at Lane Prairie Baptist Church. And so what we do is every week uh, we do have evangelism training throughout the year. But what we do every week is we try to celebrate our church members' regular and weekly practice of evangelism. 
And so what we do is we, we, we use ping pong balls. Other, I was at a church, uh, I preached at a church yesterday in Southern Illinois. They have like a, a marker board that's on at the front where people can do kind of tick marks. It doesn't matter how you do it. But by, by drawing attention to the people every week and saying, this was our church's stewardship of the gospel this week. And so we use ping pong balls and we'll say, you know, we use orange ping pong balls. And um, we'll say, this is how many people shared the gospel, not just attempted to share the gospel, but actually went from A to Z calling for a response. And then we also use ping pong balls to show if anybody got saved that this past week. So I think this past week was a, a lower week for us. I think we had maybe 17 full presentations of the gospel and we saw one profession of faith. Now, we've had some times where we just had maybe 30 orange ping pong balls or 30 gospel presentations that were reported to the staff and no salvations. Well, sometimes now we've done this enough, Alan, sometimes I'll get up and I'll say, church, we had 30 full presentations of the gospel, but nobody got saved. I guess that means that our church is failing in evangelism. <laughs> and somebody back in the back and say, no, we're not. And I say, why do you think we're not failing? Nobody got saved. And they say, because success in evangelism is doing it. If people get saved, that's God's success. And so by I believe, Alan, our people, what we celebrate, our people will replicate. And so that's just that, um, you know, uh, that, that kind reminder to the people. And then sometimes we use, uh, we may say a member of the church, it might have been me, but a member of our church was out this week and they did X. So again, that's a training moment in and of itself by telling the testimony and how someone engaged someone else with the gospel. I, I love that. Celebrate the, the sowing is what I'm sitting here thinking, not the just the reaping. That's right. We, we don't need we don't need help celebrating when people get saved or baptized and come into the fellowship of the church. We know how to do that. The problem is we for so long, we've not celebrated the fact that just someone has shared the gospel. And because of that, I think we've conditioned our people to think, well, that that's that's a loss. Then, if somebody didn't get saved, that's not a loss. So we're trying to turn the head on that and say, no, actually, this is a winning point. If we're sharing the gospel, we're obedient, we're winning when it comes to uh, the practice of evangelism. That is so good. We want to help churches, and it's exciting to be here in conversation with Dr. Matt Queen from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, which I highly recommend to everyone. And anyway, I've definitely got a fetish with Southwestern, but Hey, I was so blessed there. But let me end the podcast with asking you about what you did with Pastor Stewart. Uh, Charles Stewart, you say in the book, a former pastor who's taught applied ministry at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary suggested a helpful set of guidelines to assist believers in developing their own personal evangelism plan, their own personal evangelism plan. Now, could you share some of that with us? Because I think, wow, I don't know that I've ever heard I don't know that I've ever told somebody else to adopt their own plan. I think I've told them, hey, I've got the plan for you and let me give it to you. <laughs> what do you That's mean right. by that? That's right. So so, so what I think we've done for so long in evangelicalism is we've said, here is something that works. Now you work the plan and it'll work for you. And um, what it doesn't take into account is the actual individual church that it's dealing with, the society, you know, the community and other things. And so on, that's on a congregational level. On a personal level, though, I'm going to evangelize different than my wife does. I am an extrovert. My wife is an introvert. So for me to tell my wife, you have to evangelize in this way, 
that might not be the most uh, evangelistically healthy thing for her because I'm trying to impose my way on her. So what uh, Charles Stewart, who was my former pastor uh, in Burleson, Texas, um, what my, my, my pastor came up with was a series for him was a series of things that he could recognize and say, okay, when X happens, I'm going to recognize that as God giving me an opportunity to share the gospel. Because Alan, it's your church at my church. If we were to ask our people, hey, if God gave you an opportunity to share the gospel this week, would you do it? Everybody would raise their hand. But then if you ask the follow-up question, what is an opportunity to share the gospel? They would smile like a deer in the headlights. That, number one, they wouldn't know what you're talking about, or they would think that you're talking about walking down the street, a spotlight from heaven coming on, you know, God hiring out the choir from Star Trek. So there's the angels, you know, in background are going, you know, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> stupefied comes up and says, what must I do to be safe? That's what they think about an opportunity to but, you know, opportunities to share the gospel are a lot more regular than something like that. So Dr. Stewart, he says, you know, anytime I feel this inner impression that the Lord is saying share the gospel, that's an opportunity for me to share the gospel. Whenever I'm in, in concert with someone for five minutes or more, he got this one from Bill Bright. Bill Bright had a had a guideline that said if I am in the, the presence of someone and in a conversation with someone for three minutes, and I don't know about their salvation or status with God. After that three-minute mark, I'm going to endeavor to share the gospel. Pastor Charles has said, I'm not Bill Bright. I'm Charles Stewart. So I'm not going to do three minutes. I want to do five minutes, you know. And so if I'm <laughs> in a conversation with someone for five minutes and I don't know about their spiritual state, I'm going to attempt to share the gospel. The homestead principle uh, that he talks about, if someone comes on your workplace you know, to repair something, or they're coming to your home to sell you something, repair you something, or even if they call you to, to just kindly let you know that your car warranty is getting ready to let you know that they've approached you on your terms. And so on that time, if they come on the homestead, as it were, taking the opportunity to share the gospel. And then the last one he mentions is a detour guideline. You know, if, if there's an interruption in your day, you go out in the parking lot and you see that your tires are a little low and you have to go to discount tire and get it pumped back up. When you meet the, the uh, attendant, you didn't plan on going to discount tire that day. But when you meet the attendant, that's God bringing you into a conversation where you can just ask him about his spiritual walk with the Lord and hopefully be able to share the gospel. So whether it's those principles that Dr. Stewart have, I've got other ones that I use. For example, when I'm, I'm doing public transportation, an Uber, a Lyft, or on a plane, I, either my driver or the person sitting beside me, I'm going to share the gospel with that person. So, so it's important not that you have to adopt those guidelines, but that people find their own guidelines, their own personal plan, so that they recognize when this happens in my life, that's God saying, I want you to share the gospel with that person. Man, that is so good. And that is what you will get from the book, everybody. I want to encourage you to get uh, Dr. Queen's new book, Recapturing Evangelism. We need to recapture it. I love that title. And I want to encourage you as this podcast comes out, I'm sitting there thinking I'm going to individually send this to a lot of people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it just to say, buy this book, read it and develop your own personal plan for evangelism. Because I think I've got a lot of friends that would, that would, appreciate that reach and then they're definitely going to appreciate the content and so i want to encourage you listeners to get the book to share this podcast where you can and let's stoke up some evangelism things maybe you're the one to come beside 
your pastor and say, how can I help with reaching people uh, for the Lord in our church? Um, Dr. Queen, thanks for coming on the podcast. There's so much more. I want to just keep going for three hours with you, but that's the way it always is. Uh, thanks for coming on. We're excited about the book. We're excited about Southwestern Seminary. And I hope I can have you back again to talk about probably the same thing in some kind of way. But do you have any final comments that you'd say? Something yeah, well, sitting there so on what, your mind. So what I would say is this. If you are a pastor or a small group and you want to utilize this book, um, you can get the book anywhere books are sold. Uh, but if you're wanting to utilize it and you want to get, uh, you know, uh, kind of a bulk rate, you can go to lifeway.com and look up recapturing evangelism. They have a bulk rate. So the more you buy, the less the book is. Uh, uh, but make sure you get it wherever books are sold. And also, if you are here and you want to sharpen your skills in evangelism, uh, I, I want to really highly recommend that you look at us at Southwestern Seminary. Uh, if you're interested in that, um, you can find me on all the social media handles at D-R-M-A-T-T. Q-U-E-E-N. We would love to have you onboarded. Even if you already got your degree and you'd like to audit a class, I'd love to help you in any way I can. I love that. I will put all of the handles in the show notes and I highly recommend going to the class. I wanted to take your class on disciple making, but I started working for Chick-fil-A part-time to make a couple of shekels in the in-between of my life. But uh, I, I amen that. I'd say go get in class. There's something about getting in class that just that gives you a season of preparation for the proclamation of what God's called you to do. Uh, anyway, thank you for coming on, Matt. That was awesome stuff. And we'll see you on campus. I'm buying you coffee. And then uh, we will see you online and in the future. Thank you so much, Brother Allen.